On this episode of JP Sports Talk, the MLB playoffs have been jaw-dropping so far, and we are down to just four teams, my New York Yankees, the Houston Astros, the St. Louis Cardinals, for now, and the Washington Nationals, who I've been riding heavy in the National League, and they have not let me down. I'll break down all the craziness and also recap week six of the NFL season and judge who in the league has an actual chance to raise the Lombardi Trophy in February with a new segment we are premiering today. The NBA right around the corner. I'll get to a preview of everyone's favorite soap opera, give y'all my Ope of the Week in our baseball talk, and my best bets that went not trying trying to brag 3 and 0 last week after a very disappointing 2 and 4 to start the podcast all this and a whole lot more coming up on JP Sports Talk Love. You know I ain't never had shit okay. Now I'm somewhere in the meeting Get my ass kicked no, By a white man Cause his daughter fuck with my ad lip Uh-oh. I done drop dick in a friend I'm like my bad sis My bad nigga act like he too good Even for a bad bitch uh-huh. I'ma buy a Lambo for this album Hit the fans bitch Tell the ballet park my shit at the front I'ma hit the What's going on everybody? Thank you for tuning in once again It is Tuesday, October 15th 3pm here on Long Island as I'm gearing up for the Yankees to take on the Astros in Game 3 of the ALCS. Man, what a series this has been already as we're just getting prepared for Game 3. A lot of people suspect this to be a lengthy series. A lot of other people, I'm not saying me, even though I kind of am, are predicting that the winner of the ALCS will eventually go on to win the World Series, considering who's on the other side of the bracket. But let's let's just stick with the ALCS for now. Game 1. If you're a New York Yankee fan, you're over the moon. You do not expect to take a game in Houston, especially after what happened in 2017. 2017, yes, the team was young. They were feisty. This was Aaron Judge's quote-unquote rookie year where he hit 52 home runs. And then every home game was won by the host. And with that... You go into this series thinking, oh, the team that wins a game on the road is the team that is going to take the series. Well, here we are after game one. The Yankees pummel the Houston Astros 7 to nothing, getting to Zach Greinke. Masahiro Tanaka was unbelievable. And then the bullpen uh, handled it after the sixth inning. But then we get to game two. And as the game progresses, Justin Verlander... Only going six and two-thirds. Yes, he pitched brilliantly, only giving up really one big hit to Aaron Judge. And it was a two-run home run. But when you think of it in the grand scheme of things, if you're a Yankee fan like I am, after Monday, uh, excuse me, after Sunday night, you're pissed. You should be 2-0 and as you prepare to face Garrett Cole today. 2-0. and It was not outside the realm of possibility. You put up two runs against Justin Verlander. That's more than you're going to get every other day of the week. And yes, James Paxton didn't make it out of the third inning, but the bullpen handled it. Adam Adovino only gave up one run. It was two to two at the end of nine innings. You need to score more runs against this Astros bullpen. This game went to the 11th inning. Verlander came out with two outs in the seventh. So that gives you 
over three innings to score one run. They couldn't score one run against the Astros' bullpen? When you look at this matchup, if this matchup is determined by hitting and the bullpen, the Yankees should destroy the Astros. The reason the Astros are considered the favorite, the reason why people love the Astros in this series, the reason why the people think the Astros still have a shot, even though they went five games with the Rays and the Yankees made as quick of work of the Twins as humanly possible, is because of starting pitching. And they're... I'm, at this point, we have to call him the second best pitcher on the team, Justin Verlander. If you get him out in the seventh and it's a tie ball game, that should be a win. I don't care where you are. And I understand Carlos Correa is a Yankee. Carlos Correa is a Yankee killer. But you give up the solo home run in the 11th. You have to score before that. When you look at this lineup, it is absolutely stacked. And John Carlos Stanton can't be healthy for a game? I mean, he finally had the one hit he needed to bust through the ceiling in game one. He's not healthy enough to play game two? Aaron Hicks, you call him up to the ALCS roster, you couldn't put him in to get a hit? What has Gary Sanchez done through these playoffs so far? Nothing. You needed a hit in the worst way. And you know what? I'm not going to blame Aaron Judge because he got the only hit of the game that mattered for the Yankees. They had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to win game two. And if they win game two, that is stomping on the jugular of the Houston Astros. You go back to Yankee Stadium for three games up 2-0, to you're not going back to Houston. You're staying right in New York waiting for either the Cardinals or the Nationals to come to you. But instead, you get Garrett Cole today, and he's what? I think he's 18-0 ever since May, which is absolutely ridiculous. Nobody could hit this guy. So you need to hope, at best, you get what you got against Verlander in game two. And that is a tie ball game when the starting pitcher has to come out of the game. And I suspect the Yankees to be able to get a run across against this Astros bullpen when they're at Yankee Stadium. They should have done it in Houston. But now that they're at Yankee Stadium, it's a must. They need to. And if they can't get this win which, I mean, they're not expected to win. They're underdogs pretty favorably, minus, uh, plus 145 right now. Astros minus 165. But if they do get this win, I don't think the series goes back to Houston. With a very uncertain vibe going into game four of who, of who Houston's going to throw out and the Yankees are going to play some bullpen ball, that's a game I expect them to win. You look at Thursday or maybe Friday, who knows what's happening with the weather tomorrow. And you they have to throw Granky again or Verlander on the road on three days rest again. Give me the Yankees every time. Every single time. So I think no matter what, the Yankees will win games four and five. But today is the big day. Garrett Cole... Can the Yankees get to him? Or could they at least keep it close like they did against Justin Verlander? Now, 
Again, no Stanton. He is available off the bench, but not in the starting lineup. Aaron Hicks is getting the start in center field today. No Cameron Maybin in the lineup. I'm expecting big things today from my New York Yankees. And I believe that they will get it done, even though they should have gotten it done on Sunday. But you know what? Today is a new day. Three games in the Bronx. Let's get it done. Now let's hop over to the other side of the bracket. Oof, my goodness. If you took my best bets last week, I'm not saying anybody in this planet should have because I was terrible when we started this podcast uh, two weeks ago now and I gave my first uh, slate of best bets. I gave six bets. Two of them hit. But the one that did hit, I guess two that hit, it was the same game. I took the Nationals over the Brewers in the wildcard game. And again, I took the Nationals over the Dodgers in Game 5 of the NLDS as a plus 144 underdog last week. And look what happened. (laughs) Oh, look what happened. This looks like a team of destiny. They are now up 3-0 on the Cardinals. They'll probably put them to bed tonight. Steven Strasburg, oh my goodness, has he been absolutely ridiculous. Let's say that they take on the Astros in the World Series. Him going up against Justin Verlander, boy, wouldn't that be a treat? And then you have Max Scherzer and Garrett Cole for the other game. That's going to be absolutely amazing. The pitching is going to be off the charts and that brings me to my Ope of the Week. Um, and, and this pains me to say this about one of the greatest baseball players I have seen in my lifetime. But Clayton Kershaw, man, when is he going to get it right in the postseason? You look at what happened over the last couple of years where the Dodgers made the World Series. He pitched good enough for them to get there. And it's hard Because every regular season, he pitches well enough for them to be the number one seed in the National League. But when the playoffs come around, it's it's, it's useless. I mean, last year, even when they made the World Series 7.36 ERA, this year 7.11 ERA? I mean, my God. My God, the two, in a five-game series, he pitched twice, his one start, six innings, three earned runs, loss in Los Angeles. Huge loss, probably the turning point of the series. Then, game five, after his team guts out a win in Washington, D.C., comes back to L.A. He does not start because Walker Bueller at this point in time is better and a million times more reliable in the postseason. But Bueller pitches phenomenally, gives up one earned run through six, and then he comes in, bam, back-to-back solo home runs. You can't make it up. Clayton Kershaw, Cy Young winner, a three-time Cy Young winner. He's won an MVP. He's probably going to Cooperstown, and he can't get the Dodgers past the Nationals because he cannot pitch in the postseason. And he was asked to pitch in a spot 
to help get the Dodgers to their third straight NLCS en route to their third straight National League pennant. And just like that, back-to-back home runs. And the Nationals won in extra innings. It's disgraceful. I honestly feel bad for the guy. I'm, I think he's still in the Dodgers dugout, hanging his head. It's a true shame. But let's not turn our heads away from the point. The Nationals are legit. They are steamrolling the Cardinals right now, who, who blew the brakes off the Braves in Game 5 of the NLDS. I haven't gotten to them yet. And the disgrace that is Atlanta sports, Georgia sports right now. I mean, 10 runs in the first. I haven't seen anything like that in my life. Anything. They put up 10 runs at the top of the first on the road against the Braves, who I'm, I don't think were favored. But when you look at seeding, they were the two seed, Cardinals the three seed in Atlanta. They should have won that game, especially since they made the NLCS last year. The, the Cardinals pretty much coming out of nowhere this year, taking the Central because of. I mean, just bad teams in the National League Central. The Cubs are crushing them in Game 5. And now they're getting embarrassed by the Nationals right now to play the winner of Yankees-Astros. I still believe in my New York Yankees. I think today is the biggest day of the baseball calendar because it's going to decide it. I mean, in all honesty, if Garrett Cole shows any vulnerability, and the Yankees get to him, they win this game, they win the series in five. If the Astros win this game under Garrett Cole, he pitches eight innings phenomenally, the Yankee spirits might be crushed. And then they have to go back to Houston, guaranteed at that point, assuming they win one of the two games, four or five. We'll see what happens in right now about 50 minutes. Um, that's in the future. Let's retract a little bit. Look at the past. What happened? Recapping what happened uh, the week prior. Now, let's do this and let it go through a few teams. I have 18 teams that I want to get to right now and who the jury is still out on. Now, I'll get to the teams that we cannot forget about right now. And these are the teams that are for real. In the AFC, I only see two. The New England Patriots, who the score, I guess the score was indicative of how easy the game was for the Pats because they won by 21. But when you look at the first half score, it was tied. There was no chance it should have been tied. I mean, no chance. A 65-yard touchdown for Daniel Jones. You know, it's nice. Um, I, I was I was into the game. I was excited. But I... You know, you just knew it was going downhill fast. Tom Brady, I think, is the third weakest point. How are you going to count them out? The defense is spectacular. They have great running backs. They have good offensive line, which knowing Bill Belichick will probably get corrected at some come December at that point. And kicking. Goskowski out for the year. They need a new kicker. All right. I mean, you know, is that what we're banking on for the Patriots to lose? They're legit. They are the best team in football. Now, the other team in the NFC proved their worth to me this week, and that's the Houston Texans. Pound for pound, beat up the Kansas City Chiefs. Didn't let Patrick Mahomes touch the ball. They exploited what is a poor Kansas City offensive line, and Deshaun Watson looks like an MVP candidate. 
I mean, it's that simple. They should win the AFC South. As I think this upcoming game against the Colts is huge because, you know, with the division at stake, these are the two teams competing for it. So Deshaun Watson has to outbattle Jacoby Brissett, and they need to win that game. And I think that the Texans are legit. Not as legit as the Patriots. I don't think any team in football right now is as legit as the Patriots. But the Texans are the second best team in the AFC. Now, I have four teams in the NFC that I'm really behind. Two of them in the same division. And I think you know who they are. That's the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. This 49ers defense is unreal. I mean, we saw what they were Last week, Monday night, against the Browns coming off the bye, Nick Bosa absolutely ate Baker Mayfield's lunch, but you didn't know if they could do it twice. They slaughtered them. This Rams offense that has been so coveted for the past God, offensive coach God in the NFL, they put up seven points against this, will get them as far as they need to go. Now, the other team, in the they have the MVP of the league, and that's Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is the MVP right now. Because you look at this Seattle team. The defense isn't winning them games. I wouldn't say they're losing them games per se. Because, I mean, they've only lost one game. But it's on the offense to score points. They were down 20-6 to in the first half of this game. And they had to storm back. And that is just Russell Wilson making plays. You know, he lost connection with his helmet in the third quarter. So he wasn't getting plays from his offensive coordinator and he was making his own plays and he let a touchdown drive. (laughs) How many people could do that? How many people have that intelligence, have that composure and just know what to do type of way? Wow. I mean, wow. Honestly. He is ridiculous. He's a different breed, and people want to say he doesn't get enough credit. He deserves all the credit in the world. He is a third-round draft pick. He is a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. He has been to the Super Bowl multiple times, and he was one good play call away from being a two-time Super Bowl champion. He's fantastic, and I don't think there's a better player in football right now. Now, the other two teams I really like in the NFC, um, you know, they're still my top two. The top two I, I brought up last week, that's the New Orleans Saints. They made easy work of the Jaguars. I mean, their defense is legit. I don't think a lot of people believed in their defense before this week. I don't really know why, because, I mean, why were they three-point underdogs by the time the game started on Sunday? I don't understand that. In Jacksonville, like what was Minshew Mania that good? I mean, what? They scored six points. I don't, I don't want to hear it. The Saints are legit. And Teddy Bridgewater, as long as he's getting the ball, like Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, how are they? Like they're not losing games. Teddy Bridgewater is not losing them games. When he just has to get the ball to all of the weapons they have on offense and the defense playing like they do. They're going to be just fine. And the other team, they played last night. It was a resilient win. It was a gutsy win. They were trailing the whole entire Williams with an excellent play to drop down to his behind. And they were trying to let him score. 
shades of Ahmad Bradshaw 2011 Super Bowl he was trying to do. Anyway, the Packers, Rodgers with the football, I mean, they're going to be tough. And they're now in last place. They could have been in first place if a couple of calls went their way. But the Green Bay Packers are looking fantastic right now at 5-1. and one. All right, who are we going to forget about? Who are the posers in the NFL? Right off the bat, Los Angeles Rams. I'm out. I am out on the Rams. This is another bad loss after starting 3-0. They're now 0-3. Todd Gurley not playing already. I just don't think he's the same player since before the knee injury. They can't lean on him a lot. Sean McVay doesn't trust Malcolm Brown or Daryl Henderson. Uh, Jared Goff isn't good under pressure. And I'm not just saying like, pressure in the pocket. I mean, when the spotlight's on him, he's not that kind of guy. The defense is shot. I mean, now Aqib Tlaib's on injured reserve. They are done, especially in that division. When you have the 49ers and the Seahawks, they lost against the Niners. They lost last week. They are crumblers in the same stadium. They're done. They can't even get fans to their game. They just lost. Name is Duck. His name is Duck. They lost badly. And the only reason that score was close was because they put on a circus act in the fourth quarter and put some points on the board. But they were never in that game. They stink. What a fall from grace from last year. We also got the Dallas Cowboys. They just lost to the Jets. I... Another team that went from 3-0 and to 0-3 really fast. And they're going up against another team that I think is done for now. I'm not going to officially done chain the Philadelphia Eagles. But man, oh man, if I am Doug Peterson, I am making calls to Jacksonville every single day. And getting Jalen Ramsey. Because this defense is atrocious. They let Kirk Cousins tear that secondary apart. Stephon Diggs was the most open man in America. It's unbelievable. I mean, I could have thrown the ball. Seriously. So, I think the Eagles need to beat the Cowboys on Sunday night. And they need defensive help. And that's the only way I'll bring them back from the dead right now. Another team that's a poser. You could forget about them. Chicago Bears. They are not winning anything. Not with Chase Daniel, not with Mitch Trubitsky. I know that that defense is amazing, but the team that has a very similar situation, but I think they might be okay after seeing, like I said, played the Seahawks this week. They were up 20-6. to They were at home. They could be 3-3, three and three, especially because the Ravens won, and they're now at 4-2, and two, and the Steelers won this week. But they crumbled, they folded, Baker made a lot of bad decisions, and they lost. And that is why the Cleveland Clowns, as I call them, will not be making any significant push for the Lombardi Trophy. Maybe the division, because that division stinks, but not for the Lombardi Trophy like a lot of people hoped. Who's the jury still out on? I'm going to put the Chiefs here. I... I'm very confident that the Chiefs will 
progress. They cannot go down from here after two straight losses. Uh, I just have too much faith in Patrick Mahomes that they're going to be just fine. The defense is terrible. They have to stop the run game. They have to get Mahomes on the field by taking the defense off. Because if teams like Indianapolis and Houston keep getting first down after first down after first down running the ball, how do you expect your all-world quarterback to win a game for you? It's mind-boggling to me. The Indianapolis Colts didn't play this week. They're coming off their biggest win of the year, uh, which was before the bye against Kansas City. I just think that Jacoby Brissett is not a Super Bowl caliber quarterback like the quarterbacks for the other six teams I listed, being Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Garoppolo, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Deshaun Watson. Jacoby Brissett just doesn't fall in there for me, and I think there's still work to be done on the defensive side of the ball. I'm putting the Oakland Raiders in there. They're also coming off a bye this week. Derek Carr had a great game in London. The defense played well against the Bears. Um... And, you know, in that division, the Chiefs lost a couple games. You have uh, the Chargers are awful. The Broncos are awful. The Raiders have a real chance. I think they yet, but they definitely have a defense that could win a Super Bowl. On the offensive side, I'm not nearly as sold, but the defense will at least get them there, especially in that division where they already own a win over the Jets. With Sam Darnold, they're going to have to play him again, and they still get the Dolphins twice. Another team is coming off a bye. Um, I have the Minnesota Vikings. This is a team I compare so much to the Bears. I know that they're in the same division, but the receivers are better. The defense is very good. Maybe not better than the Bears, but they are very, very good. The running back is a stud. They just need the quarterback, and Kirk Cousins is not the guy. But he needs to be. He's getting paid like the guy, so he has to be the guy. And he looked like the guy the last two weeks. But that was against the Giants and the Eagles, who both have shot secondaries. So let's see what happens when he gets a real defensive test in Detroit this week. And another team I have here, the Baltimore Ravens. Shout out my boy, uh, Quinn Redette. Big Ravens fan. This team will probably win the AFC North. I don't know how much of an accomplishment that is, but they're going to get there. And because of that, they're going to have a chance. So those are my legit Super Bowl contenders, pretenders, and teams that could possibly get over the hump in the coming weeks. My six contenders, Saints, Packers, Niners, Seahawks, Patriots, Texans, you can book it. One of those teams will win the Lombardi Trophy. All right. Now, football has been going on since the beginning of September. We're a little over a month in now, but I got to tell you, as a huge basketball fan, I am salivating for some NBA to start. And it starts in exactly one week next Tuesday. And we'll probably get the podcast out before these two games, but the Pelicans are going to Toronto, Canada, to uh, play the Raptors, who will be getting their championship rings and raising a banner for the first time ever. Zion Williamson taking the court for the first time as an NBA player, uh, along with new teammates Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart. I love the Pelicans in that game, by the way. They opened up their uh, five-and-a-half-point dogs. I took their money line. I mean, I hear Pascal Siakam's 
hurt now. He might not play the opener. Uh, the Pelicans are young. They're fresh. They're new. They're destroying teams in the preseason. I, I like them in this spot. But then everyone's going to be looking at the night game. And it's the two biggest duos on the West Coast. Staples Center is the place to be. And maybe all the sports fans that were the Staples Center for that one. Now, with that game, let's just talk about the new duos that the NBA is bringing in this year. You have the Clippers, obviously. Reigning Finals MVP, Kawhi Leonard, possibly the best player in the world. Paul George, MVP candidate, Defensive Player of the Year candidate. I mean, they are going to be a beast defensively. Offensively, I think there's a lot of question marks. I think they're lacking some shooting. I think, you know, Lou Will and Paul George are the best shooters on that team. But other than that, Montrez Harrell, not much of a shooter. Patrick Beverly, not much of a shooter. Kawhi Leonard, not much of a system shooter in terms of getting the ball around. I think it's going to be a lot of isolation scoring for the Clippers. But when they very, very scary, I mean... You know, between Paul George and Kawhi, you think that's enough. Then you have a young player who could defend at times. The Clippers, rightfully so, the favorite win the West at plus 185. Now let's go to the Lakers. I really think this is going to be LeBron James's, if I don't want to say his best year ever, because he's had so many great ones, but I think this year will encompass everything you think of when you think of LeBron James. Yes. He will probably finish his career as the all-time leading scorer, but that's not what he is. He is a pass-first player. He's going to be trusted a lot to be the point guard for this team, and he has never played with someone as physically dominant as Anthony Davis. I think he will average somewhere north of 11 assists per game. He's going to have the ball a lot, and he's going to love passing it to Anthony Davis, Danny Green on the wing. JaVale McGee going to be getting some work along with Dwight Howard at the center position. Kyle Kuzma is a very good young player, one of the two that they kept around. The Lakers need to make a push, and I think that that duo is talent-wise ahead of every other duo, and I think LeBron is on kind of a watch-me tour. He wants to revitalize the idea that he is the baddest man in the NBA, and I think he is. You have the Rockets, which I think a lot of teams are sleeping on as a duo because, I mean, James Harden and Russell Westbrook, they did work in Oklahoma City. James Harden was a completely different player. He was the sixth man. He kind of played that type of You know, both of these guys have a brand about them that they can't win in the postseason without Kevin Durant. Exciting duo in terms of tenacity and energy, game in and game out. They're edge to them, but other than that, the defense, yikes. It's him and Clint Capella, and that's really it. But the offense is going to be explosive. Uh, The Mavericks have a great young duo, too. Kristaps Porzingis, Luka Doncic. Very excited to see what they bring, even though... In the West, it's going to be tough, tough, tough to compete for a playoff spot. Uh, the Warriors, I think Steph Curry is going to win the MVP this year. Uh, he's plus 500 right now, which is the second favorite behind Giannis. He gets D'Angelo Russell to fill in for Clay Thompson while he's recovering from his torn ACL. Other than that, this is a very similar team to uh, 2016 where they won 73 games. So I think Curry... 
without Durant now is going to be scoring a ton of points. Uh, you know, they still have Draymond Green. Clay Thompson is going to come back and D'Angelo. So do not count out the Golden State Warriors. Now, just a few teams I want to bring up. Very good teams that showed a lot last year. Interesting nuggets, no pun intended, around them that make them actual title contenders. The Nuggets, Nikola Jokic is one of the fastest rising stars in the NBA. Jamal Murray is going to take that next step. He took a big step last year. Now I think he needs to be the primary ball handler and is going to have to score a lot from the shooting guard position. And now that Michael Porter Jr. is coming back, this is a guy who, before he got injured, was a consensus number one pick in the NBA draft. He fell in the first round to the Nuggets last year, and he's finally going to be playing some NBA basketball. If he could come in right away and be a scoring threat, watch out for the Nuggets. And then the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell has to establish himself as a superstar. I know he's a star. He needs to be a superstar. And then this team could also compete for a title. Mike Conley has gotten the Grizzlies to a Western Conference Finals. He is still hindering on the peak of his career, even though it's on the downward swing. But I think he's in a great situation in Utah. Rudy Gobert, a multiple-time defensive player of the year. Joe Ingles, a tough defensive 3-and-D kind of guy. Really, really good team. Now, let me just give a couple of bets for you that I really like uh, before we, we start to wrap things up here talking NBA. MVP, I mentioned Steph Curry plus 500. He's the second favorite behind Giannis, and I think he is a really good shot. I think he's going to look a lot like 2016 Steph because he's just going to shoot the lights out of the ball. Now, someone who's a little far-fetched that I want to mention, Damian Lillard. He's coming off his best season as a pro. He literally ended the Oklahoma City Thunder franchise with one shot. Bye-bye, Russell Westbrook. Bye-bye, Paul George. And he just led the Trailblazers to the Western Conference Finals. He's still at the prime of his career. CJ McCollum just turned 28. He's going to get better. Hassan Whiteside is now coming to town. and. As a Miami Heat fan, I feel like Eric Spolster didn't use him correctly. Maybe Terry Scotts can get more out of him. So do not count out the Trailblazers. And if they are contending for a top three seed in the Western Conference like they did last year, don't count out Damian Lillard at plus 2,500 for MVP. I'm taking the 76ers to win the East at plus 200. The Bucks are favored at 130. If Ben Simmons' jump shot is legit, which everyone is swearing to me that it is, you got you got to ride with the Sixers because they got Al Horford, who is going to make Joel Embiid better. They'll be better together. They kept Tobias Harris. They got Josh Richardson from the Heat, who's going to be a very good player for them. The Sixers will win the Eastern Conference. And the West, wow. I mean, this is the hardest uh, conference. I mean... Out of the two conferences, this one's the hardest to pick because the East is pretty much a two-team race. Maybe you could throw Boston in there. But when you look at the rest, the West, there are so many teams you could look at. Clippers plus 185, Lakers plus 250, Rockets plus 450, Warriors plus 600, Nuggets plus 1,000. I think the best value is the Nuggets because I think 
that they have the players to get there. If Michael Porter Jr. is as good as he was projected to be before his injury, if he's even half of that, the Nuggets will be a top team in the Western Conference. And Nicole Jokic or Jamal Murray are only getting better. They're very. I'm going to give it to the Lakers because I think it's going to be a LeBron year. It feels like a chip at his second year with the Heat. I got to go with him. And LeBron's my guy. So, you know. I I bet on Zion Williamson. He's minus 180 right now. I think that's so low. A lot of good young rookies. Uh, Tyler Harrow of my uh, Miami Heat. Zion at minus 180 is the pick for me. All right. So I got into a little bit of betting there. Let's get into my best bets of the week. After going 3-0 last week. Yes, I took the Nationals money line against the Dodgers. At plus 144, cash that in in the 10th inning. Penn State minus three. Like I said, I bought the half point there. Didn't even need to. They won an ugly game by five. And then I took the Saints money line. When I took the Saints money line, they were a pick em. No, I, I believe they were plus one against the Jaguars. By the time the game started on Sunday, they moved up to plus three. And they made easy work of the Jaguars 13 to six. Bets, best bets for this week. I got three for you once again. Staying away from Bay to Denver, two losses in a row, currently three and a half point favorites. I still think Denver stinks. They made easy work of two bad teams, being the Chargers and the Titans. I don't care that it's in mile high. It's October. That means Patrick Mahomes is going to be flinging the football. I don't trust the Broncos to beat up on the Chiefs defense like the Texans were able to and the Colts were able to, I think Kansas City wins this game easily and covers, makes a bit of a statement in primetime after back-to-back losses for Patty Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. College football on Saturday, LSU, the new number two team in the country, going to Mississippi State. 19 and a half, it might seem like a lot, take LSU. They cannot stop scoring. They're on a scoring spree. They covered pretty, you know, I mean, it it was a sweater, but against the Florida team that beat Auburn at home the week before, it was an emotional win. It was a big win. That got Florida the seventh in the country, and they could not put up a fight against LSU. Florida's biggest specialty is their defense, and their defense could not contain Joe Burrow, who is making a real Heisman campaign. Um, They lost two games in a row, Mississippi State. It was a bad loss at Tennessee last week, and points. So if you're a fan of the transitive method, I think it's the transitive. Transitive Auburn by 33. Auburn lost to Florida by SU should beat. Mississippi and and Florida beat and LSU. Wow, they lost to Auburn by thirty three. Auburn lost to Florida by eleven. Florida lost to LSU by fourteen. So if you add all that up, LSU should kill Mississippi State. How's that? There you go. Makes sense. All right, let's move on because that was a horrendous explanation to NFL Sunday. I really don't like the board Sunday. I'm going to let you know right now, but the one that stuck out to me the most, Jaguars-Bengals. Yes, it is as good as it sounds. Under 43.5 points. 
Uh, these are two pretty bad teams. The Bengals are, are horrendous. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but they're three-and-a-half-point dogs. I'm not going to take them because, you know, I can't take either team in this spot. It feels a lot like a 7-6 to six game for me. So I'm going to ride the under at the Chiefs minus three and a half. LSU minus 19 and a half. Jaguars Bengals under 43 and a half. Last week I rode with the underdogs. This week I'm riding with the puppies. Next week, big NBA preview show right before the games We will have a World Series matchup by this time next week. I'm so juiced up and ready. And to get into the thick of the best sports month of the year When we have all four things going on at once It truly is a one of a kind time Thank you guys for tuning in And be sure to check in next week